Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Crypto Hipsters Podcast, where I interview founders and co-founders, entrepreneurs and artists, executives and stay-at-home hipsters in crypto and blockchain around the world. And I have an amazing podcast for you today. Let's get to it. And today I have an amazing guest. Uh, his name is Alex Gaia. He is the CEO and founder of Holoplex. Uh, Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Welcome. You're welcome. Uh, so, kick things off. Let me ask you this: What is your background, and is it a logical background for what you're doing now? So I kind of. Um... The second part of the question is interesting to me because I think there is no logical background for what any of us are doing normally. Like I, at least my path has always has been kind of like all over the place. Um, I've always been, my vision has always been to be an entrepreneur and I've always been a creator in that way. Um, it's my entrepreneurship and building companies and products and things like that is my creative outlet. Um, but I started out. I started out as a uh, an educator. I was a Spanish major in college, so this is like where things get a little fuzzy. Where it's like maybe you wouldn't think that somebody who has like a degree in Spanish and like I used to, I've taught every grade from kindergarten all the way up to graduate school and professional like whole professional development. Um, I did that for about five years. Um, so I was teaching. <clears throat> um, I live in Santa Barbara. I moved out here to. Uh, teach at a little boarding school, seventh uh, to tenth grade Spanish. Um, before that, I was in Kodiak, Alaska, teaching as a substitute teacher up there, um, every grade level. Um, and I, I decided to get into education because I, I wanted to impact positive change through entrepreneurship and and specifically in education. That was like an area of interest and still an area of passion for of mine. Um, but I didn't know how to build a company, and I had no idea how to start. And I decided, well, you know, my intuition should taught me, like pushed me towards, well, why don't I go work in the space and find some problems to solve um, and see if I could do something entrepreneurial that way. And I moved to Santa Barbara and I started networking. I'm a natural business development type person, partnerships like sales, those kinds of things come really natural, naturally to me. And so I started making friends with a bunch of really successful entrepreneurs here in Santa Barbara. And one of them was in particular, he was the CEO of uh, this company called Appfolio at the time. Um, we had dinner one night and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm, I've got all these ideas and I want to make them a reality. And you've done, you seem to have done this a couple of times now. Like, what's the process? What, where can I learn how to do this? And he said, well, you got to read this book. It's called The Four Steps to the Epiphany. It's by this guy named Steve Blank. And it's about this process called market validation and customer development. And it's really like all the lean startup principles that I think a lot of people who've been in the startup game have probably heard of. But the old way of doing building a startup was you write a business plan and then you go execute the plan. And uh, nine times out of 10, your plan sucks. All of your ideas were bad and uh, you fail. And because and you just like the way it's like the waterfall process of trying to execute that plan is just not set up for success. And so customer development, market validation is all about um, uh, creating hypotheses and using the scientific method. Um, so, you know, I had this idea. Well, who's the customer? OK, I think that it's indie creators. Let's go talk to indie creators and learn about them and ask them a lot of qualitative questions. 
And then let's take the answers we get from that to design some quantitative experiments. Oh, well, we in our conversations with the first 10 indie creators, we learned that they wanted to be able to build a storefront to, uh, to, to sell their NFTs, but they didn't know how to code and they needed something that was like intuitive that you could just push buttons. Okay, let's launch a landing page and it says, no code required, NFT storefronts, sign up, free launch, right? Like give me your email, see how many people we can drive to that site and measure the conversion rates. Oh, that was a successful experiment. Let's do another round. Let's build an MVP, right? Um, that's how actually Olaplex started. Um, a few people uh, that were working on the Metaplex protocol, which is like all the, um, that's like all the smart contract layer of like all the logic for how do you create NFTs with the metadata standard? How do you sell NFTs on Solana? Um, a few people working there, they had built this reference implementation of a storefront. and. I um I work really closely with the Solana Foundation and and they knew that I had a dev shop in Santa Barbara that um had some engineering resources that could help indie creators spin these these storefronts up. The reference implementation wasn't no code. You had to like know how to put it on a server and like host that server and you had to know how to customize it and all these things. And so we started doing that for a few creators and I we just saw a pattern, right? Like they all wanted the same thing. They all wanted the same kinds of customizations and um, so I challenged my engineers, uh, two of my engineers that worked for me in house and the third guy that I knew really like wanted to get into the space to work nights and weekends to ship uh, uh, a minimal version that you could just like click buttons and, and deploy storefront. And that's how Olaplex was built. Um, and we went from like zero to 300 customers almost in, overnight um, and then ended up raising a seed round of funding and, and, and have been growing the company since then. So that's my background and also using Olaplex in the story behind what we do as an example of how to execute that uh, that process. Like over the last decade or so, I've become uh, that's my become my expertise is like early early stage market validation and like the corporate professional development work that I was telling you I've done um, uh, really leveraged my education background. Uh, so I became really proficient at this process and I'm good at teaching other people how to execute the process. And so I got hired by, you know, the Red Hats, Citrix, you know, online, uh, Decker's brands, right? Like a bunch of these big Fortune 500 companies to go and sit inside their innovation departments and work with their internal accelerator programs to teach engineering teams. In some cases, do it for them, how to like go through that process. So I've done it many times um, for my products and for other people's products. Wow. That's awesome. Um, so, Okay, I'm gonna ask you a follow-up then, which is off script, but I'm gonna ask you because you're very qualified to answer this. How important is the external environment um, when testing this process uh, for you know to, for being conducive to an entrepreneurial uh, venture? What do you mean the external uh, external environment? Like, uh, yeah, okay, so um, I can speak to that. So if you look at um, one of the tools you use to uh, track everything, like all your hypotheses and map it out is, is a, a, called the business model canvas. You can Google it and it's a, there are like nine boxes on this canvas. It's literally something you can draw on a whiteboard. Um, and you know, it's like, who's your customer? What's the value prop? How do you acquire those customers that get keep grow? How do you generate revenue? Who are your key partners, right? You just start filling this thing out and that sets you up to say, okay, which things do I need to test? Typically in the beginning, you test value prop and customer because you're looking for problem solution fit. Um, and then you need to start shipping product. And 
get product market fit, which is when like you have a customer who loves the product and like usage is going through the roof. That's what product market fit kind of looks like high level. Um, but there are things outside of that box, like regulation, like the economy, like a whole bunch of things that don't fit in, but that impact the business. And like crypto, for example, is full of that. Like there's regulation, regulatory concerns. You need to know the environment that you're operating in for sure, because it can change um, some of the things inside of that box. Like who, what, what are some strategic partners? You know, maybe you need like a KYC provider. Maybe that's like a key partnership that you need. Um, exchanges are like a distribution channel for anybody who's doing a token, right? Um, and so they have they're highly heavily regulated and the reason i bring that up is like you you can't just do that yourself right you have to have somebody who has the infrastructure to that's regulated body that can do it appropriately i mean i guess you can you can do it on a dex like there are permissionless ways to do it but um if you're like a u.s company you you need to be careful about how you do that i'm not a lawyer this is not financial advice mm -hmm. uh but you, you do need to have an idea of the environment you're in and i know this space really well i got into crypto back in 2016 um, cause my partner, Brian Fox, um, started this company called Orchid, which is a decentralized VPN company. And, um, I was already incubating a SaaS company with him uh, as part of, I was an EIR at his venture technology company called Opus Logica. Um, and, uh, I was the fourth hire at, at Orchid. Um, and, uh, that's, and I was like over the last, you know, four or five years, I've been at every single, almost every single conference in the space, meeting tons of people. And that's how I got into, into crypto. Thank you. Um, so let's focus on Holoplex. You know, what is it all about and what makes you stand out in a, in a very crowded NFT exchange place? Yeah, I mean, so we're, we're building tools for creators so that they can do what they want with NFTs. Um, the first thing that we built was this like no code required storefront product. Um, and it was serving a specific kind of creator, indie creators, artists, right? Musicians, digital artists, those, that kind of thing. Um, as we started solving some hard problems on Solana, like indexing data on chain, for example, um, <clears throat> we started to realize that for mass adoption in the NFT space, you really needed components that uh, make it very easy for anybody to build an application um because there's like so many different use cases coming but there are components there are patterns that we're finding with these components um <clears throat> and so and, and you also needed to take away the need to know about the blockchain specific stuff or the smart contract specific stuff so that just like a normal front-end developer can grab these components and build an app um and I think that's something that separates us from a lot of other projects uh especially because we're 100 percent open source like most of the marketplaces out there are closed source. They're not um, contributing their code to the community. Um, all of our, we, so we have like, we have this open source product, this, this repo that has these components in it that people can go and use. Um, we also have a product on oldplex.com, which consists of the storefronts product, and then things that we built with the components that we started developing, right? So we have a marketplaces product, which is different than the storefronts in that it's a fully fledged marketplace. Like you can add other, NFT projects to it and sell their NFTs and market their NFTs. And you can set the fees that you get um, from like the transaction fee that you charge customers for buying those NFTs. Um, we also have uh, what we call like a social DEX. Um, so it's a social decentralized exchange. The reason it's social is because we built um, on-chain 
social graph, which is basically the following follower functionality that you have on like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, except it's owned by your wallet and the association between your wallet, which is your identity, and someone else's wallet, which is their identity, is stored on chain. So you can carry your identity to any application and your following and your audience to any application that integrates this social standard. Um, and uh, that is connected to like all the NFT marketplace functionality. So if you, this is actually launching probably today um, in beta, uh, is a feed of data that for if I follow you and you're a creator and I'm a collector and like the second you mint an NFT, um, it will show up in my feed, just like Instagram, and I'll be able to make an offer on it. You'll get a notification. You'll be able to accept that offer. Um, and and things like listing, buying, selling, um, creating NFTs, any kind of interaction like that that a person you follow has with a NFT will show up in your feed and you'll get notifications about it. Um, and the that product, again, uses a bunch of components that we built that are composable that can be reused in any application by any developer um, that wants to that wants to build an innovative product um, that leverages NFTs. And, uh, you know, I think like Web3, you know, if you probably if you're tracking like some of the ideas that I've been putting down here, like it's it, the value system is really what's built into all the products. It's being it's permissionless. Anyone can use it. Your data is owned by you, the user and the creator. Your audience is owned by you. Um, you can take it with you anywhere. Um, everything is open source and composable uh, and it runs on, on decentralized technologies. Um, and so, I, yeah, I hope that answers the question. It does. And one my one quick follow up is you launched beta today. How long did it take you to test? So um, as far as like the experiments to see if it was a good idea or not. Um, so I, we've been working on this for a few months um, and we've been testing it with like things like mockups, getting feedback from collectors and creators throughout the process. Um, and then this is this is really the first like quantitative data that we're going to get that's going to say whether or not it's good, right? And so over the next couple of weeks, you hope to see like a, a um, an uptick in usage um, to determine whether or not you think you're getting close to product market fit with this kind of idea. Um, the interesting thing is that like we're not reinventing the wheel, right? We know that these kinds of applications are successful in Web2. Um, we're just rebuilding them with uh, in a in a way that's like com component based and composable and open source and has these Web3 values built inside of it. So that's another thing from a, from an environment standpoint. Your earlier question, you can look back at things that worked and copy those things, um, and it can be a really successful strategy um, when you you know. But the value system, the thing, the idea that you have to have like a wallet that connects to it and you're self custodying all this data. That's a big value proposition that, you know, for mass adoption you, or, or for like the user base that we're going after, you know, you have to really validate. And we're going to, you know, so far there's, there's obviously a big enough market to support this kind of idea because the crypto market and crypto native market is quite large. Um, the question is, what kinds of components do we need to actually onboard the masses, which is like crossing that chasm to, to mass adoption? And um, the cool thing about the stuff that we're building is that we're, we're our long term vision is to make it so that like we can rapidly iterate by making these components. We can change and build these other different kinds of applications and experiment much faster than we could before. 
Um, and you can get like web two performant applications with like a web two like development process, but with web three values built in. Awesome. So um, you mentioned before, no code storefronts, right? What is that? And uh, would you be the like one of the few or only one and, and why should there be more no code storefronts? Um, so there are several people building uh, storefronts that like things like the storefront product. Um, so we're definitely not the only one. Um, we have about 9,500. We're probably getting close to 10,000 now. I haven't checked the data of those storefronts that are live and like launched and people are listing, you know, uh, NFTs for sale and minting them. Um, uh, essentially, it's just a, a GUI, right? Like a little form that you can connect Phantom Wallet to um, and you start clicking buttons, like setting the, you know, the tags for your, you're uploading your favicon, setting a background image for the banner adding a logo, um, you know, it's customizing the colors and fonts of your page, that kind of thing. And then you click launch. And what, what's cool that happens on the back end is that that entire front end interface, like the style sheets, you know, the thing that has like the CSS and the images and whatnot are all stored on Arweave. Um, and so Arweave is a decentralized storage service. Um, and it associates the ownership of that, all those assets with your wallet address. So um, the, the creator actually owns the storefront, right? It's connected to their wallet address and it's open source. So if they ever like, if Olaplex dies, we completely fail in our mission, like as a company or something happens, they can always take that open source repo, self-host it and connect their wallet address and all their customer data and even their brand gets sucked into that wallet address. I mean, into the storefront. Um, and so that's just to give you an example of like the Web3 ethos built into that kind of product. That's what it is like in, 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 in practice. That sounds pretty cool to me. So, um, so let me ask you, so you built entirely on Solana. So if I have a, if, so, so it's focused solely on Solana, you can't like use ETH or whatever, uh, NFTs on your platform, just Solana. Today, that's correct. Um, you know, I think Solana is an amazing blockchain. Um, it's got high throughput. Um, the reason I've been working in the Solana ecosystem for over a year now is because that's where you can build high-performing applications. And I think the teams that are building on Solana are some of the best in the world um, with that right balance of like solving hard engineering problems, but also shipping product and getting in the market and getting traction. And I think it's a really hard balance to, to strike, especially in the space that we're in, because again, talking about the environment, like building the internet with web free values built in and decentralization and censorship resistance as like a core part of those values is hard. There are some really hard engineering problems to solve. Um, and so, you know, every one of these different like layer ones and layer two solutions are trying to solve these problems. Um, and uh, I think Solana is by far and away one of the best. Um, I don't think that, that 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 Solana will be the only chain that succeeds. I think it will be one of of a few. Um, and so, you know, I mean, if you look at like big brands that are coming into space and big products, right? Like, and you want you want to give users choice, right? To to pick like what thing, what chain they're operating on. And actually, at the end of the day, it really shouldn't. They really shouldn't even be aware, but maybe the developer is aware, or maybe they 
have a way to like switch chains really easily if they need to. Um, and there also needs to just be interoperability between chains. So you can like, like swap assets across chains pretty easily. Um, and I think that speaks to, again, the value system, right? Everything is permissionless, open source, it's composable even across chains. Like that's an important thing, I think, um, long-term. Awesome. So um, what do you see as the future of NFTs in the art world? And and then other sectors as well. So um, a lot of people think NFTs are art, but it's it's not just art, right? There's a lot of other applications. So what what are some of the what what is what's the future of the other applications too? Yeah, I mean, for well, I can speak to artists <clears throat> first. Um, they NFTs give artists control of their of their creations and actually make those creations an asset. Um, whereas previously, especially for like digital art and physical art, um, they were not really an asset. Um, for for artists like musicians, um, it removes the middleman and uh, gets them gets the creator, the musician, like a direct relationship with their customer and allows them, the creator, the artist, to capture more of that value. Um, and I think those those are really important things to understand. Like artists who are building on Solana. People like John Lay, you should look him up. His art's amazing. Um, they 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 are they are building their careers. They're becoming well known, um, and their art's increasing in value. And every time that art sells, changes hands on a secondary market, that artist gets a royalty fee, and they can set that royalty fee to whatever they want when they create the NFT. Um, and that does not happen. And that did not before NFTs and like blockchain technology existed. That was not a thing. Um, artists would sell their art once and then it was just gone. It was owned by the collector and the collector could do with it as they please and they never saw another penny from that. Um, and I th so I think that's really a, a fundamental uh, shift. Um, NFTs can represent a lot of things. I think they'll be used in ticketing. They're used for like gated access to things. Um, they'll be used for loyalty programs. Um, uh, you know, I, I, my theory is that art uh, and NFTs were just the beach art using NFTs to create art was really just the beachhead um, opportunity to help this technology really explode. And that um, they will eventually bring all of e-commerce revenue on chain um, and enable like e-commerce sites uh, to be, uh, to have those web free values. And that's kind of where, like, I was, why, like, I was so excited to build Olaplex because I had a, I have a lot of interest in, you know, unstoppable websites and how to like enable, like remove the middleman from like the e-commerce side of things and give like, again, the, the values we built in the storefront product, make sure that like creators actually own that storefront, um, was really important. Great. So I asked you, about the environment, Ash, about the testing, the beta, all that led into to my next question, right? Um, so there was a recent Ape land launch, right? And some things happened with the ETH transaction fees being massive and and people thought it was Tulip Mania or Bernie Madoff or whatever, um, you know, and the thoughts are that they rushed the land to market and didn't really do proper testing. Um, what's the what's the importance of proper testing, and why should not all NFTs be stigmatized by you know one or two things that happen that seem like a money grab? 
Well, I think um, I think you're talking about a couple different things. Um, so there's technology and implementation of technology to make sure like a campaign, like a big NFT drop works and, and is smooth. Um, and <clears throat> definitely early days of NFTs on Solana and this still happens on ETH and Solana, right? Like stuff goes wrong and it like makes customers unhappy. Um, <clears throat> that's just a normal part of being really early uh, in this space. Um, and then you're talking about like scams and things that are, you know, bad, right? That like probably shouldn't have been, uh, that no one should have bought, I think is the other part of the comment or question. Um, and I think like, you know, it's still, it's still somewhat the wild west. I think there's, uh, you need to do your own research. You gotta, sorry, I gotta clear my, yeah, you gotta do your own research. Um, uh, I think from, uh, the the I, one I want to focus on the first half, which is like the product testing and making sure things go smooth. Um, there's a point uh, where you just need to ship software, um, and it's probably going to break, and you just need to get in there and fix it. Like that's part of startup life. You know, you're never going to get exactly right, even with a ton of testing. Um, and you have to balance that. You need to get to market and see if the idea is going to work, right? Like. If you're if you're if you ship a product and it crashes because so many people are using it, um, or like I mean this happened to us early on. Like we got with 300 customers overnight, and then like the websites wouldn't even load for like 10 minutes. It was just terrible. Um, it was because you know the way that the front end was architected to get data from the blockchain was was not the best, like most optimized way to do it. And this is part of building in Web3, right? This is like how we this is part of our story about how we ended up going down the path we're on now why we had to build this indexer on Solana because the indexer allows us to get sub-second latency on data so we can read data from the blockchain like know the second you mint an NFT or buy an NFT or do a transaction like we can get that data to an inter a user interface um, but that that was a hard problem to solve we couldn't have we wouldn't have ever built the company if we had spent all our time trying to solve that problem first um, and the fact that like the website stopped loading because so many people were using them it sucked for customers and we felt bad about it. We have worked really hard to make our products super fast and performant and they are now. Um, but it was also a really good problem to have. Um, and, you know, because our software is open source too, and like the underlying uh, smart contract uh, that smart contracts that we use that are built by Met the Metaplex team are all open source. There's, I think there's like, something ridiculous, like 90,000 forks of Metaplex right now of the various tools that they've built that we're built on top of, that's 90,000 developers and engineers looking at that software, right? Like projects building on that software, hardening it, making sure it's secure, finding issues and fixing them and reporting them. Um, th there's just like the power of the, of the global community of developers building on blockchain and building crypto is unmatched. Um, and I think that's that from a testing standpoint like that's why that innovation and the growth of space is just going to accelerate faster than anything i think we've seen before um and, you know and like things will improve and get faster and better is because there's this open source ethos and um people are constantly like building and improving it upon the things that they've created so uh something like uh like board apes with yuga labs what you know what what, what happened there as far as the testing or or whatever what, what was the what was the uh, situation? So I don't I don't know the team behind that project, but they do have a good reputation, from what I can tell, as being like really solid builders. And having spent a lot of time building in this industry in general, I can tell you it's extremely difficult. Like back to what we were talking about earlier, like how much testing can you do? Um, 
they just over they just I, my from what i can tell they just ran up against the limitations of the ethereum blockchain this is why you need something like solana right that's a, a high throughput blockchain because um the gas fees are super low they're almost they're pennies and uh transactions happen really fast um on ethereum you know transactions are slow and it, they cost a lot like when there's a ton of demand for something like what the Yuga Labs team launched, um, it can be very expensive even just to send a transaction. And even in sometimes it just fails, like the, the transaction you have to send to buy the NFT can just fail and you just lose that money. Um, and um, yeah, so I, I, I think they just ran ran up against the, the technical the technical limitations of that specific chain. I think I understand something for the first time now. Um, I ran projects in corporate. Okay, um, I worked at a SQL shop for five years. I was project manager. Um, we tested in dev and then moved to QA. And then I did all my testing and worked with the devs and everything. And then, you know, made sure it was perfect. And once we got the prod and then we launched, right? You're saying that the, that for the startup world, you know, you're launching somewhere between QA and prod. And then you get the prod once things are launched. I mean, yeah, I mean, like some of the QA happens in production. Uh, that's just That's just the... You know, you you've got limited resources and limited limited resources and limited people, both human and capital, and so um, you live and die by shipping product and getting traction. And so, you know, if you don't strike the right balance, if you just sit in your office and build all day, you're probably going to build the wrong thing. You're just not going to learn fast enough. And so, you cannot be you cannot be a perfectionist. It doesn't mean you don't build good product. You try to build a good product. You want to ship good product, but you have to do it quickly and you know, you're going to learn a lot doing that. And that the learning is way more valuable than, than getting it perfect. Got it. Okay. As you mature you. and you have a scalable, repeatable process, things change, right? Like when you become a bigger company and you, you know, like this is the product, this is the business model and all that. Then, you know, as you start shipping new features and stuff, things can move slower and be more deliberate. I think, you know, it's not that then you're not a startup though. You're a company. Um, and that's a different ballgame. I understand now. <laughs> Thank you. Two five years. <laughs> so, um, so, so wonderful. So I want to thank you um, very much uh, for your time today. This has been an amazing conversation. Um, I do have one final question is this. Um, how can people find out more information about you, about Holoplex, about any of your product services, anything? How can they do that? Yeah, I mean, thank you. Yeah, uh, you can go to Holoplex.com. You can go to GitHub and look up Holoplex and it's H-O-L-A. Plex. It is taking from my Spanish teacher roots. Ola means high in Spanish, if you don't know. Um, the idea was like Metaplex, the Metaplex storefront. What's the fastest way to ship a Metaplex storefront? And uh, if, you're, if you've ever like taught yourself how to code, the first app you learn how to build is a Hello World app. So Hello Metaplex was why that's how I came up with the name. Um, turns out it's also very close to a hair care company that doesn't have an H in front of it, which is kind of funny. Uh, it's another company that came out of Santa Barbara that's like publicly traded. Um, uh, anyway, um, uh, so you can go there and you can find me on Twitter. A-F-K-E-H-A-Y-A is my handle at A-F-K-A-Y-A. Um, and, uh, you know, as far as the services that we offer, we have the self-service products on allflex.com. They're all open source. You can go and use them. We also, um, you know, we're, we're an open source business model. So we do support maintenance and customization contracts with enterprises, like small to medium sized enterprises, and even some large enterprises. 
that are trying to get into the NFT space. So we're taking those same components that I was telling you about earlier and using them to build other people's applications um, for them. Um, and that can range from everything like somebody just wants an API access to our indexer and they pay for that to, hey, we need you to build like this full product for us. We have this vision we want to build, we want to hire you to build it. And, and we do that too. Awesome. Thank you very much for yep. your time today. Thanks for having me.